2: along to a Tuesday edition of the Huddle Breakdown. Uh, James here hosting once again and I'm back with my good friend Alan Morrison from Celtic by Numbers and we're here to have a nice little discussion about the victory over uh, St. Marin from Sunday 2-0 at Paisley on one of the most pristine pitches in the history of the universe. Um, So Alan, let's get right into it. Uh, You've already done your your thing you've done your rewatch you've captured all your data so what are your impressions from um i mean that the the result being self-evident but uh any any shifts in what the kind of trend and performance dynamics have been
3: yeah listen uh brilliant i mean we, we were the underdogs apparently you know going to get <laughs> according to some respected commentators we're going to get absolutely shafted so listen it's, it's all good yeah. you know we talked about you know, last week you know, to get back to more serious matches, we talked about you know result over performance, and um, I actually, but I actually thought honestly, you know, as a performance, um, this was this was pretty decent. We asked for change, we got change, so that's one thing. So, listen, we can get into that as well as we go on, in terms of you know we moved away from this this sort of four three three. We played a more of a four two three one. Um, Kyogo playing as a as a pretty much out and out number ten, so four attacking players. O'Reilly playing a deeper role, so that was that was a change to the shape that we played in ninety nine percent of the games probably over the last three years really. Um, so we asked for that, we got that. So. You know, let's 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 have a look at. Thanks
2: that. a lot, Alan. That's your fault.
3: Well, you asked for four <laughs> two three one. I, I believe I was asking for four four two. Um, I think Brendan was quite pointedly pointing out for the game that you know they'll continue to play four four two without the ball, which is fine, uh, and that's true. That is true. Uh, Celtic do play four four two without the ball. Uh, with, with the ball, it's uh, it was a four two three one mainly, um, and so yeah, and, and I think that had some interesting. uh impacts on, on, on certain individual performances. Uh, but also, I think there was a lot of other other factors that came into play for the game. One would be just the whole attitude of St. Mirren. Um, you know, it, it was a cup tie. You ended up with, actually, I imagine for a neutral, 37 shots at goal across the two teams, split mainly 50-50. Um, and, and in that sense, you know, really good cup tie. Um, they approached the game to go out to win it. They, 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 they didn't sit back. They didn't bunker down. They didn't play a low block. you got to give them credit for that. They really felt that they could exploit Celtic's weaknesses, and that mainly came predictably uh, through you know, set pieces and long balls and, and and the high crosses into the box, of course. But um, they did have a go. They absolutely did have a go. And then the other thing that I think that was, that was very um, different, I suppose, to how an SPFL match might have gone, was they didn't choose to man-mark Callum McGregor. And uh, actually, McGregor ended up pretty much controlling the whole game. I mean, he absolutely, to me, dominated the game. I think he had 19 more, 17 or 19 more successful passes than any other Celtic player on the pitch from that central midfield position. He was allowed to really dictate the tempo of the game. and, And actually, a lot of the best chances from Celtic came from him playing early passes. That's another thing that we'll get into, I think, which is that a lot of Celtic's best chances didn't come from building pressure, but they came from counterattacks. and came from breaking on St Mirren, who who had committed players forward. So this was a very different game to a league game. Uh, And actually, I think in some ways, the the approach that St Mirren took kind of played into Celtic's hands. So what does that tell us about the rest of the season? I'm not really sure, but I think Celtic uh, played a very good game overall and uh, deservedly won. Uh, I think, as I say, I had the XG down as around about three point one five to 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 one point two or something like that. So it was almost a two goal difference. I think it was a, in that respect, at least, it was a kind of fair result if you want to look at it that way.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm probably a little less optimistic. And we we chatted a little bit before um, recording here, and I'll, I'll get into it in a little bit more depth. Uh, as as we go along here, but as to, as to why, I mean, I, I, what I'm trying to figure, because I agree with you, like the 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 obvious um, context of Saint Marin playing like it was a cup tie, uh, we we can discuss and debate with the relative wisdom of that. It's it's not how I would set up if I was them, uh, you know. Not you know, I mentioned last week the what I think is a, almost a gross negligence level of uh, tactics for an opposition not to man mark cal mcgregor given his importance in in uh in our build up and and prominently uh relative to the counterattack i mean that's exactly i mean they were they did have a go they were on the front foot quite a bit um don't have the quality to really punish us in doing that and basically gave cal mcgregor free rein to do whatever the heck he wanted <laughs> uh in limited build up because we didn't have to and just pummeling them on the counterattack site. You know, I, I give. Whereas I thought Montgomery was relatively smart last week uh, at at Hibbs, I, I I would give Robinson. Uh, I'll be generous and say a C minus minus <laughs> in in um, what what he set up to kind of challenge us on on Sunday. Um, but I, I just want to because I, I think uh, one of the things I did because it, it was such a weird game in that regard, I mean, in that it was it was I didn't expect them to set up that way. Mm-hmm. And given the context of how they did set up, I, I was probably a little deflated by um, how things went. And and I'll, I'll give some numbers behind that. Um, in basically, if if you look at um, the proximity to our box, and absolutely, I mean that this was a. I, I said before we went live, this was almost like a two-nil win at Livingston. And I think the pitch played a big part in that, meaning that you have this kind of uh as as Rogers has talked about, the the basketball game that's kind of breaking out a little bit. Um when when we're we're playing right now and, and he doesn't like that, and I understand that as far as relative to control. And I, I think it given how they tried to play, um, yes, I mean they're obviously not gonna be Atletico Madrid or somebody like that. But their ability to win second balls and what buildup they did have and their ability to play long um, was, was closer to that, meaning that it was like this weird hybrid between at Livingston, which again, I think the pitch impacted, but also like the level of possession and touches and entries into our box that Atletico Madrid had in the six nil when they beat us. Like it, like, obviously they're completely different but that to me was what what was concerning is that on a sliding scale they actually did enough to get a draw meaning that yes it's obviously not a league game obviously it's a cup game but what they were what they did if other teams pursue that if if they have r- really uh a little bit better decision-making and, you know, for example, man marking McGregor, like I, I see some uh, causes for concern uh, where I didn't have them before. And I think, um, you know, that it's a natural progression. Um, and in this you way, know, we talk about constantly about these layering of risks and, you know, we didn't have too many risks manifest in the game um, in that regard, meaning that for the most part, you know their finishing wasn't good, uh, despite having a couple of pretty good chances. That you know, as they say on another day, this is what we always talk about. Once opposition get up over that one in XG, you that's the, those are the games that we drop points in, just because of either the opposition keeper has a worldie or some kind of weird uh, variance in finishing where we have an off day. Opposition finishes a couple of chances. You know the kilty goal, uh, two uh, two finishes. You know one of them an overhead kick from 16 yards. I mean, that's not one that's usually going to go in, but the other one that Gaga Chad was one that very easily could have been kind of a top shelf finish. Um, So, yeah, that's, you know, we're, we're we're talking about, as we always talk about, we're talking about fine margins here. Like this is us against Mm -hmm. St. Mirren in uh, any scenario, nine times out of 10, we're going to win the game and probably eight to eight and a half times. is going to be comfortable. And I think this certainly fit in that comfortable, um, Characterization, but with with some uh, areas of anxiety that I have that are lingering. Um, and again, it's not this is not in isolation. Like we've been talking about some of the issues in in recent weeks and really all this season. Um, so that 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 was kind of the my, my initial impressions and in context. Um, let Let's get into maybe a little bit more on the individual player side. Um, you you already mentioned Gregor, I agree. I mean, he was. Uh, kind of at his orchestral best in uh, directing play. Any, anyone else uh, stand out to you?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think I think Bernabe's performance was noteworthy. Um, probably nothing new in terms of what we would expect from him. Um, I think most people came away from the game, from what I could see, with kind of positive feelings about how he'd played. But actually, when you break it down, it was an atypical Burnaby performance. I mean, is 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 remarkable as a player in some respects. You know, he was involved in the most challenges in the whole game. Seventeen. He lost seven of them, which was more than anyone else. He had the most recoveries. Eighteen. He had the most turnovers. Six, and he had the most <laughs> losses of the ball in the defense of third five. But he also won the ball back in the defense of third most four. Uh he he lost possession overall nine times, which is the most, um, by five, actually. <laughs> I mean like by not even close. Uh, he created two chances. He had two secondary assists with the highest expected assists associated with anyone in the team. He had the most progressive runs in the team and the highest pack dribbling score, and he had the highest pack receiving score of any player in the team. So that, that I mean that's just that's just mad, right? And and I think I joked to you before that <laughs> If you look at most players that fit within a sort of normal distribution of performance, Burnaby is like a canyon. All of his stats are either at one extreme or the other of the margins. He's either brilliant or he's awful. And and this was atypical <laughs> of that. He's just a fascinating player. I've never I've never known a player like this play for Celtic. You know, he's I think he overall he didn't get punished for the things that he did badly. So, you know, and and and, and 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 you know he, he generally contributed well in the final third so i think there was probably generally positive sentiment with his performance but then you think of like that sort of two-footed lunge he made when when he could have could easily that could have gone really badly wrong i mean he was unfortunate right i mean he was fouled he should that should that was the first thing he should have been given the foul Absolutely, yeah. but then you know this is the emotional side of his game where by being disappointed at not getting the foul he he dives in to that challenge, both feet on the ball. But that was a fraction of a second from being a straight red card, and then the whole game could potentially change at that point. And as I say, some real positives in what I've said. Some of his dynamic running down the wing was fantastic, and it just it, honestly, I do. It does come back to. Uh, you just want to keep. It's, like, it's a little bit like Hitate in the sense you want to keep him as far away from your own goal as you possibly can, right? And it's, you, know, Bernabe, you don't you don't want him near your own goal, really. As much as he's really tenacious in the challenge, and he, he, as I say, he won the ball back in his own defensive third more more than any other player in the team on the day, and that's why you just think, well, it, it, probably wing back or or. You know, almost like a defensive winger type, but you don't want him as a fullback. It's it's just weird, but yeah, his, his his performance was was remarkable, as I say, for for many reasons. So he was the one that really kind of stood out for me.
2: So how, how did you? Um, and I I haven't rewatched the game, so I, I don't have that perspective. I haven't had time um, since Sunday with the with the quick turnaround for us here. But what what was your thoughts, or what what are your thoughts on um, Rogers' pivot? Meaning that his, yeah. his, his decision to go the way that he did, I think is very interesting. Um personally not a fan of it <laughs> and we can get into that, but, you know, having rewatched the game, how, how did you think? Cause actually, you uh, know, again, this, there, there's no, um, you know, as you know, by watching thousands of hours of these games, trying to set. What the actual formation of a team is is yes, you know it's a,
3: it's a framework, a fluid thing. I, I keep saying it's a framework. Yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not a rigid. It's a framework.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think with 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 the with the the, the difference between defending four four two and him, you know, with the way we set up is kind of four two three one. Mush all that together, and uh, Y scout had it as a four four one one, which if you think about it, it's about you know kind of a hybrid of those two things. Um, so how, how do you think? How he ended up setting up actually worked out. Were you a fan? Pluses, minuses.
3: Ooh. I mean, so I saw a lot, actually, a lot of comment after the game about, oh, O'Reilly, it's another, another poor performance. But if you actually look at his cumulative performance over the ninety minutes, you know he, he had a really, really good game. I mean, he, he, he just he was a, but he played a different role. He played a let's call it a sort of continuity. He was a continuity player. He wasn't a dynamic final third player. He was a continuity player. He he did his bit defensively. So, for example, he um, whereas McGregor, who I thought was man of the match for me, whereas McGregor was four and six for successful and successful challenges, O'Reilly was four and two. Um, O'Reilly had one, one less recovery, but he had four pack recovery. So these are recoveries where the opposition have got players wrong side of the ball. He had four of those, which was equal with Ralston, uh, best of the team. He didn't. He didn't have any turnovers. O'Reilly on the day, and um, he won the ball back twice in his defensive third. So his, his defensive side of the game was excellent. Um, he didn't get on the ball so much, um, but he still ended up. Uh, see, see I, I give him an assist for his shot because I use the old fantasy football rules, whereby if you have a shot at goal and it either comes off the post and then is put in, or it comes off the goalkeeper and goes in. I count that as an assist, and then he had, he created two other chances as well. Um, you know, so that side of it, you know, he was he was pretty pretty effective. Three three progressive runs, which was sort of second highest in the team. Um, he still did manage to get. He actually got the equals. Actually, uh, behind Burnaby, he had the second highest pack receive score of the game, and actually had the highest packing score in the even. It was three ahead of McGregor. I just had McGregor as as overall because of the way he controlled the tempo of the game. So O'Reilly was fantastic in that double pivot role, just not as eye-catching, I suppose, as what people are used to. So I think that bit of it was a success. Those two together, I think, is a really strong pairing. But then we can probably talk about, well, why did we give away so many chances? Um, But then the the downside of it to me is you've then got four players ahead ahead of those two who are not really on the ball very much. And that's and that to me is a is a problem as well. I mean Kyogo, he even go Kyogo had probably his second most um he was on the ball he had he was on the ball the second most he's been this season almost. Uh because he was playing that slightly deeper role. And he scored his goal by making a deep run. And it was a nice pick out from Palmer actually he did have a look. He he picked him out and then it was a, a strong finish. That that was excellent and that broke the game. I mean, until the 15th minute, St Mirren were excellent. I mean, we can talk about Celtic weaknesses, but I think you have to give St Mirren credit for the way they played in that opening 15 minutes. And then that goal completely took the air out of them uh, for, for quite some time. Um, and Kyogo, you know, being in that deeper position, ran onto the ball. Um, but, you know, Maida was, I know he—you know he scored that second goal, but he's, it's a, it's it's almost a man down, really playing him on the right wing like that to me. I just what are we getting out of
2: that? It's, he scored a good striker's goal. He did he did,
3: I'm <laughs> sure, and he was in the great position, he was in a super position, right in the middle right. of the six yard box, which is where I'd like to see him. That's where I'd like to see him. I think he's great in that position. Um but yeah. you know, outside of that, you know, he's he's what what is he contributing, really? I mean, he's you know, 13 passes, but of which you know how many are pack passes? I'm just checking now. It's like, uh, um, I can't remember like one. two, right? So, so out of the front, out of the front four players, you've got like five pack passes the whole game. Um, so you're just not getting that that kind of same level of creativity, really, with with that that sort of uh, formation. Um, but you did ask for a four-two-three-one last last week's show, I do believe. <laughs>
2: I did, but not with that mix. Uh, you know, I, I posted this on on uh, Twitter, cause, and and I didn't know. Like I had to look it up. I, I I sensed it had been a small number, but you know, again, usual caveat that the the data quality is fluid and these things are not precise. But um, Y Scout has, I think it's twelve thousand three hundred minutes of data on Kyogo. Uh, most of it, obviously, at in Japan, but also uh, obviously uh, at Celtic. And uh, out of that, going into this game, he had less than 400 minutes coded as a number 10. Mm. And I, I think what's interesting, not surprising, um, but interesting is is that Rogers' impulse um, to change it up was to try to use Kyogo in that role. Meaning that we, when he's had success in his career, he's been either a left winger. At at uh, in Japan or striker, obviously prominently with us. Um, so to drop him into that kind of number ten role, to me um, speaks to how anchored Rogers is in width. Meaning that his his natural inclination was okay. I'm going to try something different different here. Let me double down on width, <laughs> and uh, rather than you know um, try something more narrow. And I think that that's where I I'm and when I when I my thinking on the four, two, three, one was um, largely a, a, an expectation that he wasn't going to go narrow. And I, we talked about that last week. I mean, and we don't really have the center backs right now to play three at the back. So it's, you know, there aren't a lot of options <laughs> as far as going narrow playing four at the back. Um, So, yeah, I, I would I would not have thought of. Playing Kyogo in that in that ten role, and I, I agree. Like generally, I don't think the front four worked. I mean, I, it, it, you know, you 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 put McGregor and O'Reilly in those two positions. I would think that's going to do very well. And the fact that St. Mirren played the way they did, I think, made that easier for us to do that. Um, but I, I just I just don't think that we. I think it it spoke volumes that most of our threat was on the counter attack mm. against St. Mirren. Yeah. True. Right. I mean to me that's an indictment as as to how it didn't work versus because um, to, to you know the point of our conversation, the likelihood is that we're not going to be a counterattacking team for the remainder of the yeah, 13, and, and uh, counterpressing. I mean we were
3: actually really, games. really strong counterpressing and a strong again. That's a yeah. really strong that front four with uh, and, and O'Reilly, that's a strong counterattacking and counterpressing a yeah. uh, unit. But again, that it and that actually worked, and actually, you know, upset Saint Mirren. They couldn't get out on on occasion, especially in yep. the first half. They couldn't get out. Um, they lost the ball in their own third quite a lot. Um, but it's not, well, it's, so, not it's not, so, it's not, what we're going to come up against. It's not what we're going to come up against.
2: Yeah, and it, so this is where we get into the kind of the the underlying um, driver of my anxiety coming out of this mm-hmm. game is that if if you look at um saint Marin's style of play in the game they were more possession centric less direct than they typically are and by not a small margin meaning that for you know they were like 25 percent less intensive in going long ball right so that so this was not so obviously they're still going long it's a relative thing um so they're not playing like Hibs do or, you know, um, presumably Hearts will, at least on the margin. But they were a lot closer to them than they normally are. Mm-hmm. And they were a lot closer to them than St. Johnston or, you know, and and the fact that, of course, we were going to give them problems, <laughs> them trying to build out from the back. Uh, you know, their they're, they're keeper trying to play it short and all this other stuff. Like, again, I just think Robinson was – was uh, out to lunch on some of the stuff but i don't think we made them pay enough i mean Mm. you know given they played this way um and you know outside of you know what would you say i mean we basically had two really good chances in in the game we did
3: but i think i think one of the one of the things that people highlighted after the game was as i said there was like something like 35 shots and they may have had one more than celtic but the average expected goals per shot oh, yeah, they had was, was 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 astonishing. It was for Celtic it was point one eight per shot, right? And for them it was zero eight. Yeah. So almost point one per shot Celtic had better. And that was the same with expected assists, that was the same with the chances created, because virtually all of their chances came from crosses or corners. In fact, there there are eleven corners is equal the most any team has had against Celtic since I started um, you're collecting data eleven corners is the most, and on top of the eleven corners they had twenty two crosses, which is a, a high number so that that was all their chances were were coming from that sort of situation which results in a you know a, a header under challenge or a, a ball falling in the box where there's loads of bodies in front of you et cetera uh, these are not good chances now. I agree with you. That's like they, they created a huge volume of those, and on on, on another day, yep. a couple of those could have gone gone in, and it would have been a very different game. Um, but that's not through quality. That would be through just the way things go, right? And in a cup tie, that's what can yep. happen. So, w- what's more concerning for me is this is the third game in a row that Celtic have conceded. over.
0: That's blue
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: 1XG, but actually we're averaging over 1XG one against 1.11 uh, in all game, across all games this season. And that's too high. And And, and my, my concern is that we're just too easy to... To play against I mean um Saint Mirren, for God's sake they're, they're not a passing team, and yet they you know they had the highest second highest uh packing score ever domestically in a team that um I've seen you know in fact in fact if you look at you if you look at the pack passing, just take pack passing outside of outside of derby matches, this was the sixth highest pack passing score since I started collecting. That sort of data. If Saint Mirren are playing through your lines that easily, then there's something something awry here. To say how effective our pressing counter pressing is, to say how we're limiting them to crosses and what have you. Yet still, having said all of that, why are we so easy to play against?
2: Yeah, and that, you're you're striking right at the heart of. Uh, you know, I probably haven't done it. A, as good a job explaining um why I've got this anxiety and that, that's so again back to numbers um the second highest amount of crosses that I have that I see in in y scout this year um is that 6-0 Atletico Madrid loss mm. right so again not claiming not the that they were well, not the quality near, chance the quality yeah you've not got right. you've not got but you've not got Alvaro Morata
3: on the end of them either <laughs>
2: Yeah. So they, they tried to kind of play like Atletico Madrid did, only they don't have Griezmann. <laughs> and um, so they, it was, it was disturbing to me how successful they were on a relative basis mm. uh, in some components, like you're talking about with your pack passing and related score. Like I, just from a real estate perspective and a control perspective, like th- those are the two kind of, um, well, but, but James, again, but James, just, again,
3: again, listen. It's a cup tie. So two things on that, right? That which I'll just say to yep. mitigate quickly. One is it's you know it's game state, right? It was a cup tie. If you look at if you look at the shot distribution, it's it's actually almost incredible. If you look at the first um, thirty thirty minutes, it's all almost all St Mirren apart from Celtic's goal. Then you look at between the thirtieth minute and the sixtieth minute. It's almost all Celtic. Then they get, and, and, and in that time, Celtic get the second goal. So it's a cup tie. The two nil up, they're, they're comfortable with that. Then between the 60th minute and the 80th minute, it's all St Mirren shots, right? But they're all low, low value. And then from the 80th minute to the yeah. end, Celtic see it out with ease. So if I, if I, if I were to articulate the game in that sense, it becomes a very, it can becomes a very sort of a comfortable game, yeah.
2: Hundred yeah, percent, and again, this it's really why about I, lens I, I wanted, of game state, right? And, and that's so that's why I wanted to stress this. It's a weird nuance comparing. I'm with you. I'm with
3: you. I'm with you. Yeah,
2: yeah. So it's it's a question of you know all the risks that we've talked about in recent months and the um, the potential for these to manifest because you know again we were talking before we went live here, we're not live but recording here is we're down to thirteen league matches and hopefully two. Uh, or I guess three uh, cup cup games, and you know th- this is probably a race outside of the two derbies. It's probably a race of one or two games dropping points. I mean that's it. So it, it's a question of with normal variance, normal luck, normal Yorkshire Whistler. Uh, uh, you know, you it's one game away to Komarnik post split. Where you get a nil nil or a one one? I mean, that that might be what is the yeah. the, the termini- you know the determinant of the league at this point. So the the fact that again he I, he played very well on on Sunday it was Joe Hart, and he made one very good save. Um, I don't think it was quite as good as everyone's making it out to be, but it was a good save. Um, you know. In 13 games, Joe Hart is not going to lay an egg 13 times. Of course not. He only has to do it once. He only has to do it once or twice in making a material error that could be the difference between winning the league and, 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 and losing the league. And that's, you know, what, what I'm kind of hammering away at is that there were elements of the performance, How to your point, how easy it was on a relative basis for St. Mirren to play the way that they did. Even if it was only for 30 minutes – and, you know, cut us open to a degree with their players, kind of like what uh, Bodo Glimp did <laughs> in transition a couple of times. You know what I mean? I like what, there was. There were, there it, were, there were,
3: I think there was a couple of occasions where Samiran worked the ball wide and then one pass in behind. And it's like, it's 1v1. One one. everybody out. We, How did that? How did <laughs> yes. that even, so so I, I get it on the left because Burnaby, who the hell yeah. knows where Burnaby is? But I don't get it. Why, I don't why, think he knows why, where he's at. Why outside. are the two centre backs not together? Why is yeah. Ralston, if Burnaby's doing Burnaby things, and nobody knows what that is, why isn't Ralston <laughs> at least being conservative and tucking in on the other side? Right. Um, so yeah, no, right. there were there were there were a few occasions where it was like. How did we get into this situation? How did we get here? <laughs> How did that happen? You know, yeah. uh, there was a few of those. Um, listen, it was a really, really fiery pitch. The pitch was awful. It looked, it looked great, brutal. It, it yeah. played terribly. The ball was bobbling around, and and what it highlighted is that especially, actually not Burn Bur- Burnaby technically on the ball. Once he's once he's got his head right, he's he's pretty decent. Um, the other three: Ralston, Welsh, and Scales. Oh my God. I mean, it's, you know, a a difficult bouncing ball or a fiery pitch, it just accentuates the time they need to get the ball under control. And listen, I'm talking about fractions of fractions of seconds here. I'm not talking about, you know, but it's, but at this level, against St. Mirren, it it looked a bit hairy at times. Against Hearts, it will look worse. You know, against the Rangers, it will it'll be even, you know, slightly slightly worse than that. So these are, this is why this is important is if you're gonna put that back three, back four under pressure, you know, and, and, and then playing the ball across to the heart and right like a yard off the goal line. Like yeah. all of that. But, well, but, I... but it's more it's more than more than that. More than that. It was just the time is is it, they just don't move quick enough. And that's that's a fundamental it's a fundamental intrinsic issue that that is we speak about quality, but sometimes quality is a physical thing. It's not a decision making thing. I don't think that Anthony Rolson on the whole makes bad decisions. I don't think Stephen Welsh on the whole makes bad decisions. They just simply don't react quick enough. You know, to be to be that to be to be as dominant as Celtic have to be at this level, these are not players that are that that either think or move quick enough, and I'm again, I'm talking about fractions, fractions of seconds, and on on a on a on a pitch. Like, so so one of it, one of the ways that this manifests itself in a material way that I can actually you know perhaps articulate better is is in aerial challenges. William so Scales isn't a small player; he's six three or whatever he is. I know Welsh isn't particularly tall, but they, they, they do win aerial challenges but okay i can go up and i can win the ball there's two different ways i could win the ball let's say if i want to simplify it there's a dominant aerial win which is i win the ball and it bloody gets one and the ball goes up the pitch and then there's i win the ball and it goes who the god knows where and one of the problems that celtic had <laughs> on, on on the other is that is that welsh and scales were were, were troopers they were up against their man they were challenging the they were winning more often than not, they're aerial duels, but a lot of those challenges ended up in throw-ins deep or corners uh, or, or you know deep in Celtic's half. And that just adds to the pressure. So it's not just about winning the ball in the air, it's not just about timing your jump and being that that bit quicker and and, and using your body intelligently. It's it's about doing it in a way that's dominant, so, so that you, you clear the ball. From your defence, you don't just win it, and it goes God knows where. And that I think is the, this is the problem because, and, uh, yeah, and to, to articulate that into precise numbers, you know the average the average Celtic centre half in the time I've collected data wins eighty two percent of aerial duels. Okay, and that means winning the ball it doesn't say where the ball ends up. Um, Scales is on eighty percent, Welsh is on seventy nine percent. That sounds like it's very close to the average. But that is further enough away from the average that it creates secondary risk in terms of the ball isn't clear. The ball's not won dominantly because the ones at the top of that list, your Van Dykes, your Ayers, your Juliennes, et etc., your Duffy, even Duffy, because Duffy was you know obviously eerily dominant, right? Um, he had other issues. Um, they're, they're at like eighty-eight <laughs> percent, right? They're eight percent above the average. That that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's massive. In, in the in the in the in the terms of uh, you know uh, professional football, so these are the things which I think you know. What? It didn't matter; it didn't hurt Celtic in the end in this game. Um, but these these small things, which are about timing, about about anticipation, about physicality—not just of being tall, but about leaping uh, and having that physicality to clear the ball out. These are the things that Celtics defense lack at the moment. And that's 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 the real I think you know what I think that's, that's that's where a lot of the opposition chances are coming from. It's not just it's not just the it's not the fact they're making mistakes, it's the secondary risks because the ball isn't cleared and therefore the, the corners come, the throw-ins come, and you get all this secondary action.
2: I I think that is a great point, and uh it it very much um fits with a couple of the metrics i was looking at that you know just jaw dropping when i went through the summary of the game uh cuz again it's this weird hybrid of you know th- their their number of entries into our box for example yeah it was high for you th- for the point that you're 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 i mean that they had the ball out or they clear it and it's a long throw which again is is just another of sequence of play that can get into the mixer <laughs> and turn into chaos and a ball dribbles out the and he, you know, um, scores from 16 yards potentially. That, it's that kind of fine margin. And to, to put this into perspective, they had 31, again, in this usual caveat, this is what the Y-Scout had, they had 31 entries into our box. Uh, fine word in the 2-0 when we were down to nine men, had thirty five, right? So you're in the neighborhood of just volume of the ball going into our box. You know, normally we're talking about um, in games where we're dominant, it's in like low teens to ten, high single digits. You know, against bottom six like financial resource uh, teams. I mean, Saint Mary's been punching above their 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 wage bill a little bit um, uh, this year to to their credit, but again, that that's the, the degree with which some of these issues that you're talking about are manifesting were so, so significant. I, another one I, I think really highlights specifically what you're talking about was clearances. Oh, they huge. had the game yeah. at 39 clearances for – that's not out of the box. That's out of the defensive third. Yeah. That's along the lines like what we had against Barcelona yeah. when we lost 6-0. <laughs> Well, it's it, 1670.
3: So so so, it's so, 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 on that one, right? So, I agree with you, and that that, that was a noteworthy. I had it as 42. I had it 42. Uh, it's the highest, highest domestically outside games against Aberdeen Hearts and the Rangers, and it's it's the highest in four years in terms of just the sheer volume of clearances. Now, that is yeah. that, that, that that there's two two aspects to that. One is, um, that indicates being under pressure. Okay because it's a, it's you know it means you don't have the time to bring the ball down and to or or you don't have the time to to try and find a pass right but the second thing is is on the positive side i would say is that it it does indicate a sort of clarity and a, and a, and, a, and a decisiveness in terms of we weren't trying to be overcomplicated in our own defensive third it was a crap pitch yep. was fiery, the ball was bouncing all over the place. We weren't trying to be too clever about it. If the ball was there and we could there wasn't an obvious pass on, we just got it we just got rid. Now I, I think that was smart in the conditions, to be honest with you. So I think it's a little bit of both then, Agreed. Right? If that's fair.
2: 100 percent Yeah, and I I, I only wrote ro- no, uh, raised it was the numbers worthy. because yeah. how outlier they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. they were kind of crazy um cuz you know it's it's not as if we don't play a large number of games on bad pitches <laughs> against St Mirren type of uh competition and and you know the vast majority of those do not result in <laughs> in 42 clearances um yeah. and that's you know this is where i go back to you know the um the risk which is if if robinson had just man Mark mcgregor like just made that decision I I would have been a lot more nervous in this game because, you know, that he he was so seminal in relieving what pressure they were putting on us. So we were either going long or going to McGregor. And, you know, if I'm St. Mirren, I, I think they made a really unwise decision to allow that release valve because, I mean, when you're playing the way that they were playing, the whole thing is about uh, second balls. And I mean, you you it's a dream scenario for you. If the conditions are such that Celtic go long all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you, you want chaos, you want, you know, balls in midfield where people are flying around. I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, a far, far better environment for them than, you know, McGregor being on the ball and, and, in control. Um, okay. Well, I th- let's not beat a dead horse here. We're, we're running over about 40 minutes. So, um, And any other thoughts on uh, how we were set up, how the game manifested? Any other uh, conclusions to draw as we go forward to these the the Baker's dozen that we have left here in the thirteen league games?
3: I mean, I think I was probably pretty upbeat about it mainly because, as I say, although all the all the issues that we've discussed absolutely uh, hold true, I think. I think game state had a lot to do with it and it was a cup tie St Mirren were, you know there was no benefit in St Mirren holding back they had to go for it um and I think Celtic were generally quite comfortable in defending um albeit with the, you know it could have gone it could have gone very differently on a diff- on another day but it didn't right so so there you go I, I think uh, just just a shout out to uh I think especially Bacchus on the St Mirren side uh because he was he he uh, he had an eye catching 7-0 uh, seven, seven, and zero, as you would say uh, in turnovers in terms of he actually re- recovered the ball he's a pack turnover so he's recovering the ball that means that Celtic players are out of the game seven times and he didn't give the ball up in in the same scenario at all, which is quite a remarkable set of numbers. Um, and he also he, he had the third highest packing score of any player on the pitch on the day. So I thought he I thought he really stood out. I thought he was excellent on the day. Um, and and the, and the lad Boyd Munts, I think he created about five or six and a couple of them from corners, but five or six chances for St Mirren as well. He was he was pretty decent. So just a shout out to a couple of the St Mirren players that I thought kind of caught caught the eye really. But um no, listen, you we said last week nothing's changed. It's good to see, you know, in terms of the quality, especially the defending, the extent to which these games are going to be an attritional battle a lot of the time between now and the end of the season, that I think that holds true. We're not going to be sit here sitting here comfortably, sat back in our chairs, purring about comfortable performances so much, I don't think. Um but on the other hand you know, was that reaction that we wanted to see? Was that we saw some change? We saw a different shape. We saw a battling performance. We saw Welsh scales, Ralston, Bernabe, absolutely, you know, sweating every inch for the for the cause, throwing their bodies on the line, blocking shots, blocking crosses, getting their heads to things. We saw all that, right? So listen, that that you've got a fighting chance when you see that. OK, we can we can talk about the performance metrics. We can talk about the weaknesses and the risks. These things are extant, absolutely. But, you know, we're talking about a team here that seem to be fighting together, seem to be coherent in terms of, uh, you know, all, all, all fighting in the same direction. So that, that gives you hope. And you just hope that as the players come back from injury, uh, as form starts to pick up and what have you, that that, that does hold the team in good stead.
2: I, yeah, what I was probably most encouraged coming out of the game was actually Rodgers after the game. Um I think his uh demeanor and um you know, I'll call it in in my stereotypical probably American uh uh mentality, bring it on baby, <laughs> right? I mean it's it's he, he had that um air of bunkering, like us against the world type of mm-hmm. mentality. And I think that that's a wise path for him to be going right now, uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, My concern is, and this is more paranoia, uh, probably, is that um, you know where's the line between believing his own (laughs) BS and uh, you know how much of it's like rah rah. This is we're we're pushing we're pushing leadership good. You know I would argue good versus. Like actually believing that some of the issues are um not as significant as they are uh relative to some of the tactical decisions you make. Like I I don't think like I don't want to see that 4231 again. Like that to me, that's I'd I'd have the fear against um you know, the top six teams in the league playing Kyogo in that role. Because of what it, I mean, to me, it just left the midfield wide open mm. to a large degree. I mean, I I love Kyogo, and he does some of the dropping deep well, but he's not the guy that's going to be winning a lot of those second balls. Mm. Kind of like Hatate, mm. like they're they're going to be over physical, um, pushed around a little bit um, domestically, mm-hmm. going against some of the big hammer throwers, <laughs> like against Komarnik <laughs> on on the weekend. Um, so I, I have some worries about that, but. Um, yeah, I, I I thought his, because you know it's been a bit of a dicey bag this season with um, uh his outward confidence and his outward communication and um well he seemed he seemed understandably frankly like,
3: he seemed very passive, frankly you know quite before yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it was it was I mean listen we we're, we're, we're straying into the territory that we say is. Sure. You know, well over egged, but I think it, I think given the context of the season, it was welcome to see him. But I, I agree with you. I agree that I, I liked, I liked that, but I also want him to be a little bit more reflective to say, actually, some of these things are not going well. And it's in his power, it's in my power, if I was Rogers, to do something about this. And what am I going to do about it? That's what I want to see. I want to see him problem solve. I think he's got, I, I think he's got a, as, players start to come back. He's got a, a load of tools there and it's just finding that right combination. And I think credit to him for changing it up against St. Mirren. I think the, the counter-attacking was excellent, but like you say, um, it's. I don't think it's, the, it's quite the right answer of configuration. I'm looking for the right configuration to get this team over the line for the league. I don't think that was it. But uh, if he's in the mindset where he's willing to at least continue to search for it without making drastic changes, um, you know, it's t- it is right. tinkering at this stage. It's fiddling, I think, uh, just to find that right, best combination. And it might be, as I said last week, it might be horses for courses. It might be horses for courses, and that's fine. You might decide that certain wing play is a, is better suited to certain opposition. That's fine. If we go down that route, at least we're thinking about it. At least we're, we're adapting. At least we're trying to be smart about it. That's all that really I could ask for because, you know, is Palmer going to turn into a consistent player? No, he's not. Right? You know, is, is Kuhn suddenly right. going to dominate the league, having just arrived from from Austria? No, he's not. You know, is Yang going to dominate? No, he's not. Right? So, none, none of the, not, you know, is, is Ida going to turn into a, a league winning striker? You know, you know, best will in the world. No, he's not. So, all these players have a role to play, and it may be that you fit them into a, a framework which is 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 fungible, depending on the opposition. That, that that to me, would be a, a sensible way forward, perhaps.
2: We'll leave it at that because I'm in 100% agreement. So on, on a positive note, we'll leave it there uh, because w- this is now the results, not the performance podcast <laughs> for the next uh, three months as we are s- now self-declaring. So uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, tuned in to listen and or watch. Uh, if you can hit the like button and subscribe on YouTube, we always appreciate that. Or if you can leave a review on uh, iTunes and or Spotify, uh, we'd appreciate that as well. And I think we might with the the long lost um, hero of the podcast may make a another appearance late in the week. We'll have to see. Um, we might do a, a bit of a, a preview pod late in the week if we can corral the cats and herd the cats. Yeah, listen, for, I mean, um, Manchester
3: United have won an away game, so I'm sure Endo will be up for talking about that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's right yeah and um so yeah look maybe on friday we'll get something recorded we'll see um ahead of the the weekend game against Kilmarnock. uh so thanks again and we will chat to you later